0: Welcome to Tiger Paw Radio, the podcast that tackles all the challenges and opportunities of channel convergence. If you provide managed IT, managed print, VoIP, security, or other technology-driven services for your customers, this podcast is for you. Tiger Paw Radio, exploring channel convergence, one stripe at a time. And now, here are our hosts, James Foxall and Wes McDonald. We live in a world that is seeing more and more drones enter our skies. According to the FAA, at last count, There were over 1.5 million registered drones in the United States, and that number is climbing. Drone technology for personal and commercial use is everywhere. Unfortunately, not all drones are out there being used for good. There is a dark side to the drone world, one in which bad actors are using them for more nefarious and dangerous ends. For all the cool factor that drones have brought into the technology world, there is a danger growing in our skies at an alarming rate. The question is, what is being done beyond government regulations to protect us? Join us in this episode of Tiger Paw Radio as we explore the world of anti drone technology. So, welcome back, everyone, to another exciting episode of Tiger Paw Radio. I'm your host, with the most, Wes McDonald. And I'm super excited today uh, because the podcast, as you know, is about drone technology and probably more importantly, anti drone technology. And I'm excited today to have our guest, Vitaly Mozikov.
1: Yep. Hello, guys. Um, I, I'm running the Innovation Hub at Kaspersky. Where one of the very probably most exciting projects are, is the anti-drone project. So I'm I'm happy to give a short overview today about what we are doing and what we are going to do in the, in the in the nearest future. So thanks thanks for inviting me today. Absolutely.
0: And Vitaly, for our guests, maybe you could tell them uh, one interesting thing about yourself that they may not know.
1: Yeah, um, I'm a huge fan of of the of hockey, ice hockey, and uh, at my office uh, I have a poster of the uh, Ovi, uh, Alexander the Great, Avechkin uh, and people usually say, "Hey, why you have a poster with yourself?" Yes, I'm really in my real life I really look like him from the specific angle so people actually get very really confused when they enter my office <laughs> <laughs> well that's great and and of course
0: you know that uh, uh just like where you're from uh, here in Canada we're pretty big fans of uh, the hockey ourselves right
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so
0: so one interesting thing that uh, people may not know about me uh is that I actually don't watch hockey I know it's it's kind of sacrilege as a Canadian, right? So I'm a big football person. I spent a lot of time watching uh, the Buffalo Bills and, and the NFL and also the Canadian Football League. But so don't don't feel any less about me. But I'm the one Canadian you're gonna meet that actually doesn't watch uh, doesn't watch the hockey. Well, let's jump right into this. So, you know, one of the things when I was looking at sort of the market size and the growth rate of what's happening in the drone world, it's absolutely staggering for the commercial drone market that it looks like it's growing at a compound annual growth rate of over 56% right now. And they're projecting that it's gonna be worth $129 billion by, by 2025. And the military drone market is gonna reach 27 billion in the same time period and have similar growth rates. So uh, tell me from your experience, what do you think the primary drivers are for both of these markets?
1: You know, I, I think the one of the drivers are uh, that uh, the technologies emerge, uh, drones themselves uh, become less and less expensive that made them uh, more and more affordable for everybody. So right now everybody wants to have a drone because it's really nice tool to make nice pictures uh, while you're having fun on the vacation or make nice videos while you're while you skiing or snowboarding the, uh, the mountains. So it should be really nice like nice gadget, not even like uh, something very expensive. So this is why uh, a huge amount of people can now afford drones. But for sure, the problem is that not so many skilled operators or skilled pilots for the drones. That's the that's true danger, I think.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And you know, I've noticed myself, I live on Lake Erie, and uh, oftentimes I'll sit out on the, on the deck. And I can remember one day last summer, I saw a drone literally fly down About ten feet over my head, right? (laughs) It's like somebody's flying one out there, getting some nice pictures of the lake, and they're, you know, it is right over my deck, and not ten feet from my head, so it's a little bit nervy, right? And we are starting to see them everywhere. Um, I found it very interesting. I was at a a security show uh, in 2019, uh, in which they actually had, uh, you know, drones that weren't just for personal pleasure, but uh, drones for military use, and the, you know, the size and scope of some of these things. They're still quite small, but obviously compared to you know uh personal drones things that are people using for taking pictures etc the other thing i found fascinating was the number of drones that people are using for you know other industries like agriculture right mapping fields yeah. and yeah. you know in the old days they'd have to do that with you know paying somebody to fl- uh, fly a plane which was pretty expensive and now they have these drones that go over and aren't just you know taking pictures but they're measuring um, you know, um, moisture levels and soil. They're measuring uh, terrain densities to find out where crops are going to be, you know, most effective. You know, it's extremely um, interesting just the number of applications. And of course, yes. uh, when you start looking at uh, drones for, you know, shipping, Amazon obviously leading, you know, kind of the front in that space. And I, and I think on the personal front, like you said, they have just become so affordable. Like my brother is actually a videographer and he uses drones. Uh, for a lot of his photography. So in the past when he'd be shooting a wedding or, you know, some other event, he would have some steady cams and, you know, some different things to get some really cool footage. But now at every single event that he does, he's also getting, you know, drone footage, right? So he's a professional operator, but it's you know, the the equipment that he's using is available to people for less than, you know, a thousand dollars for you know, for a drone and some, some of the ones that he uses are, you know, four to five hundred dollars, right? So Yes. Yeah. Yes. Just absolutely and, 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 and,
1: awesome yeah another another problem is that actually if we if you're speaking about the military usage of drones uh right now it's in it's so much it's not so much needed to build a really like very techy and military drone while you can still use uh like a refurbished one or aftermarket one like a, a so called commercial like a civil civil drone uh for sure, it will not be able to carry carry like uh, big and heavy missiles. But anyway, still something dangerous enough that uh, something that even drones from the from the store that you can see uh, in the every city uh, can do. And actually, that's also kind of scary. And uh, we also saw lots of the uh, incidents, not only with the I would say drone attacks, but also like uh, espionage campaigns. Oh, sure. Uh, that's that, that, that's that phenom- phenom- phenomenal. Actually, we've been even trying, uh, testing the, uh, if it's even possible to use a drone to spy uh, the business meeting, for example. And we literally put the, at the n- nighttime, we disabled all, um, all LEDs on the drone. <laughs> Wow. So it was like all like, you know, like in stealth mode. Yeah. And, actually, and we literally put the drone one meter in front of the person who was stand, standing at the window and staring at the dark of the night. And we said, okay, the drone is like two or one meter like in front of you. And he said, I cannot see anything because <laughs> the the window, the glass, do all this, you know, makes it harder to identify a drone behind the glass and
0: and think about that for a second because you're you're really testing that on just standard you know drones right and imagine yep a world yep. when we start getting these micro drones right you know a drone that's only oh. you know three centimeters in in diameter and that has the sensory equipment and everything else it's yeah it's just absolutely fascinating i can remember um a few years ago and it was probably more than a few years ago now probably more like five years ago i was in new orleans and i saw a couple of people that were flying drones around you know, getting pictures of people walking up and down the street. And I don't, you know, I don't think you could get away with that today because back then there were zero regulations. Right. And now of course, within city limits and stuff, they do have, you know, regulations, but you know, what do they say? Uh, uh, locks on a door, you know, uh, keep uh, honest people honest, right. It doesn't do anything about the, you know, the bad actors that are looking to, you know, to use that. So I'm just, I'm just curious that kind of jumps me into, you know, the next, Uh, question right so from a security perspective I've you know just from my own light uh, sort of research into the space I've seen you know articles on people that are using software jamming technology uh, to make sure that they can you know knock the drones out or you know physically disable them and even physical net systems on other drones that are used to physically capture you know rogue drones right so maybe you can tell me more about what Kapersky is doing on the anti-drone front how are you guys approaching this
1: yeah, sure. So actually, we uh, before uh, announcing and before making the current Kaspersky anti-drone solution available, we actually went a really nice journey uh, testing uh, and uh, piloting different solutions uh, to, I would say. Um, protect the space um, above our heads from the drones and we've been testing also those big drones with a net and actually even we we tried the drone that is like you know um, like a drone destroyer like another big very big very brutal drone that can actually fly in and crash another drone but the problem is that if you have two drones falling down from the sky, that's even a bigger problem than a cable, like uh, only one drone. We we decided to uh, get away uh, that idea because really, it's really hard to make 100% sure that if two drones collapse, uh, they they, they will not fall fall down. So this is why we decided to move towards the, uh, I would say, on-ground solution that provides the jamming capabilities. So, the, mm-hmm. how the solution how, how the solution uh, works right now? So, the current Casper's anti-drone is a combination of the uh, several components. We uh, feature the neural network that been, I would say, educated. Um, several months, almost one year on the different types of the drones uh, under the different weather conditions using very different uh, type of sensors and uh, right now the neural network in general knows what the drone means, how it looks like, how it behaves and uh, even can distinguish between the helicopter uh, type of the drone and um, another one like a plane type of of the drone so it's it's trained and very comprehensive stuff. Another part of the solution is the primary detection modules which can feature one of the four type of sensors and we have uh, I would say uh, we are first on the market uh, to use laser scanners so-called lidars Uh, in connection with a neural network, and right now we already submitted the patent, so we have like a patent-pending technology. So we can use multiple sensors to primarily identify that a drone is approaching. Then another uh, piece of the hardware uh, engages is the classification and jamming model. It's like a, a the 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 set of the hardware components um infrared cameras uh and also the jamming device that, the device that allows to uh classify if it's a drone if it's really a drone or a bird or somebody just throw up a shoe uh so uh, and and the system can actually uh, in while constantly uh, talk, talking to the neural network can understand what type of drone is that uh, can even identify which model and which brand is flying around and so then when it comes to the jamming device we can use specific radio frequencies oh. and the, the way how we do uh i would say how we do the prevention uh, we are strong believers that you should never overtake control of the drone but the only thing you, you should probably do is, uh, I would say, we call it uh, make the drone lo- lost himself. So we create the radio noise around the drone and because of that, we disconnect the drone from the remote control, or we can also disconnect from the GPS uh, satellites. Uh, and for the majority of the uh, civil drones, uh an automated program and a switched on uh if they lose connection from the remote control, the majority of the drones will go uh back uh, to so-called zero point or uh, initial point, so actually they will literally fly back uh, to the place where it it was like it started his journey or if you disconnect the drone from the GPS. Uh, signal, then the drone um, switch on, like a slow descent mode.
0: Yeah, and I think that's really important because I know that in
1: the early days of
0: anti-drone technology, there were companies that were basically knocking them out of the skies, right? And, of course, that, you know, the danger with debris and possible civilians below. And then, of course, the, the whole concept that you mentioned as well, which is private ownership of that property, right? Like actually, you know, damaging, you know, somebody's property. So this is far more comprehensive than I thought. So it's it's a proactive system which is actually looking for those drones in the sky. Once it finds them, that it's alerted that it's you know uh, the operator that it's either shouldn't be there, um, that it's flying outside of legal parameters or it's some kind of risk. You can then either send it back to its home base or put it into a safe descent mode, uh, you know, to get out of the sky. Right. That's really fascinating. So it's it's both the monitoring of of the drones and also, you know, then actually making them, well, not drones anymore, I guess, go back home or or land, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yes. And the the, the thing is that the solution is fully automated. So it's literally right now, uh, the system doesn't even require uh, the operator. So you just assemble it, switch on all the cable, connect all the cables, switch it on, then done. In fully automated way, the system will work, identifying yeah. the approaching uh, objects, uh, capturing them, classifying, and then jamming if, if it's necessary. That's, but but for sure, the uh, the user interface is available. So if a customer wants to have the operator uh, like double confirming that it's the drone that should be jammed, then uh, it's also an option but well, that's mainly the system is usually usually uh, fully automated.
0: So uh, maybe Vitaly could share with me like what are some of the the verticals like industries that would be that you're kind of looking at for this right now? Obviously in my mind I'm thinking of uh, airports um, but you know there's there's got to be other you know places. well so you know who would really benefit from this?
1: You know, the, the very first customers who approached us even before we had this solution were our customers of Kaspersky industrial cybersecurity solution. Uh, those guys literally said, "Hey, Kaspersky, you are doing very good in protect, in, in cyber defending our uh, OT environment." and cyber defending our uh, critical infrastructures but right now we have another problem like a physical problem with the drones uh, that can fly in steal something or damage the infrastructure which is which is quite a big problem for us can you do something around that and at the same time we had those uh, uh, innovators who joined uh, the innovation hub with that project it was like a perfect match so those industrial companies were one of, one of the first one Industry. One of the first verticals for the anti-drone solution, and will remain one of the most important for us. Uh, also, you you mentioned the airports for sure, uh, the train stations, uh, places where you can see lots of people uh, spending their time, like uh, stadiums, the very famous football matches. Oh, sure, uh, concerts. Uh, and everything. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Concerts. Uh, right now we, we, we receive lots of the requests from the clients uh, who own facilities like a business centers because they don't want to uh, lose their clients because uh, some drones flying around and it's very important to uh, those people who manage those facilities, so uh, that's another... It's not, not even in vertical, but it's like a type of the customers. So, that, so
0: that's interesting and it actually uh, brings me into a bit of a segue, right? So uh, does the Kapersky solution allow for, you know, channel providers to be able to say, hey, this could be a business model for me?
1: Yes, sure, um, despite the fact that we are also right now developing vendor to customer uh, data conversations and we are expanding right now the uh, channel, uh, channel partner system because we do believe that I think it's obvious that we, as a company, cannot uh, cannot have that many resources to design, integrate, and then maintain the solution itself. So we uh, already opened door doors to the channel partners, and we see that. Right now, there is a play for two types of the partners. Uh, Those, uh, type number one, are the system integrators, those guys who are able to uh, talk to the client, uh, do kind of uh, design of the solution for the specific client and his specific facility or specific location, uh, and uh, like build end-to-end project uh as well as then being able to integrate and then maintain it and even before that the type two kind of partners can uh, be engaged those who assemble the hardware part we see that the the regulations around the drones and anti drone solutions very different from country to country and probably it will be even more different uh, in the very nearest future. So the the need for the locally assembled anti-drone solution is very high. So this is why we uh, looking forward to partner with those companies who are skilled in assembling the hardware uh, hardware solutions. uh, So we believe those guys can take our industrial design and then uh, together with us, develop um, expertise to assemble the hardware part of the Kaspersky anti droid solution. And we will remain supporting and developing the software piece. The the, easy, the user interface, the neural networks. So that's um, how the overall idea of the Kaspersky anti go-to-market will look like. It, it sounds like
0: what you're actually doing is building an ecosystem, right? So it's more than just a a channel here you go go resell this you're actually you know say nope we need additional partners that can actually handle the physical infrastructure help build that for whatever local regulations there are etc and I'm sure our listeners are happy to hear that um, because it does sound uh, obviously like to be able to scale this out that it really is a channel you know driven solution versus just a direct one right
1: Yes, yes, for sure. So with this, we want to build the following schema. So the Kaspersky is responsible for the software. The hardware provider is responsible for sure, obviously, for the software, for the hardware. And then uh, there's a system integrator that actually merges those two components uh, into the end-to-end final product. So it takes the hardware and the software that perfectly match then boom, everything happens.
0: That's great, and uh, so in the marketplace right now, obviously uh, your current uh, you know channel partners, obviously those must be pretty important for you being able to get this into the marketplace.
1: Yes, uh, among our partners, we already see that uh, there are some of them who are not only skilled on the software and uh, because of that, they had a really nice history of partnering with Kaspersky, but they also did good business in the hardware, not only on reselling, but also to, in some cases, they, they do assemble hardware solutions, uh, hardware, end-to-end hardware products. And we are happy to, uh, to see such type of the partners among our current um, uh, current, current partner ecosystem. Different scenarios of selling the solution under service agreements, like for example, I gave you example when the high-profile speaker comes uh, to give to give a speech. There is space for the managed uh, and drone solution uh, providers to sell this solution for under subscription for you know half a day, ten hours, three hours. And things like that. And I think this will be happening even more and more in the future, uh, because that's more uh, affordable and less damaging for the environment. Uh, yeah, and I really
0: I really do think that the subscription, you know, style of services is the future for almost everything, right? Now one area I want to take you into next is, you know, like drones are up there in the cool factor for things in the IT world, right? I'll I'll start with a personal example of a story, one of my favorites. I'm a Star Wars fan, and when they launched the new uh, Star Wars park in uh, California, uh, Disney partnered with FedEx, and uh, FedEx basically uh, dressed up a couple of their, you know, large uh, shipping drones that they're they're experimenting with. They're about the size of uh, minivans, and they made them into X-Wing fighters, right? So (laughs) they actually launched these. Yeah, they launched these things at night. Uh, and they look like honest-to-goodness real X-wing fighters flying through the sky, right? So I thought that was absolutely cool, but I'm very removed from that space. You're in it, you know, you're looking at uh, the anti-drone technology, but you must be looking at all the drones. Like, what's some of the coolest stuff uh, that you've seen, you know, in the last year in the development of the, of the drone world?
1: Actually, yes, uh, i recently been in, in Israel uh, where I met a company who actually builds a business around drones who collect uh, fruits uh, on the fruit fields. They they trained and built custom drones that can collect uh, not only oranges that are very are, that are not so soft, but they can also do peaches and uh, very soft type of fruits. That is really really nice. So those drones are very sensitive, you know, so that's that was really funny to see and actually they already have a production line and uh, lots of the drones operating um, on the different fruit fields, that's that's interesting. Another story for sure, uh, everybody heard about those uh, police officers, flying in dubai on those i don't even remember the name for that type of drones it's like a big uh, drone it's which is like actually a mix of the drone and the motorcycle that's that's really fantastic
0: it is really cool and i saw another video recently for um, a personal drone it was less motorcycle style and more enclosed unlike the you know the police drone um, you don't drive it it uh, It is uh, automated, but it can still ferry passengers back and forth. Right? Yeah, it's just completely cool. But I had no idea that it was to the point now where they're actually using these to do fruit, you know, basically farming, <laughs> right? Collecting fruit. Yes. It's absolutely yes, yes. incredible. As soon as we get yes. done here on the podcast, I'm going to definitely look that up. That's really neat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and where I'd like to go next, right? Yeah. Um, if you had one piece of advice for managed IT providers and uh, value-added resellers, and like you said, integrators out there, when it comes to you know drone security and adding this to their portfolio, what would that be?
1: Don't uh, like an opposite for the, the 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 previous one. Like don't don't be afraid of uh, testing and trying out uh, different models, because uh, not only anti-drone managed IT business, but also just to, the drone business is something that can be beneficial but just build the build, build the uh, build the practices build 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 the expertise around that uh, the more your technical guys know about the drones and anti-drone solutions the the more comprehensive uh, services uh, you can build around this that's that's for sure
0: yeah and it certainly does sound uh, like we said at the beginning with those growth numbers right like i don't know of too many industries uh, that are growing at you know fifty six percent compound annual growth rates, right? So yep. definitely, yep. there's so much opportunity in the space right right now. And I can't yeah. thank you enough for you know sharing some of your insights on on what you're doing and how our you know channel can you know be a part of that, right? So uh, if people want to learn more about what you're doing at Kaspersky for anti-drone technology, where sh- where should they go?
1: Uh, they can go to the uh, Kaspersky.com slash iHub, the, the uh, Innovation Hub webpage where they can learn more about the solutions as well as the anti-drone, or they can simply email to anti at Kaspersky.com.
0: And so we come to the end of another exciting episode of Tiger Paw Radio. If you'd like to listen to more, please be sure to visit www.tigerpaw.com slash podcasts. You can also subscribe through your favorite podcast platforms to be sure you never miss another episode. And until next time, keep learning, keep growing, and keep that inner tiger strong.